Hi everyone, Anna Cusack here. Welcome to my four-month update. I didn't actually plan on doing one of these, but um, yeah, a lot's happened. So I thought I would come in and give you a little uh, insight into how our dynamics are going as family of four. I know a lot of listeners are really interested about transitions from one to two, so that's probably going to be my focus today, but I don't know exactly where it's going to go. Before I get stuck in, just want to acknowledge that I'm here on a Wapakal country, pay my respects to elders past and present and those who will become elders in the future, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and First Nations people listening and thank you for looking after this land so well for all of this time and continuing to do so as part of the longest continuous culture in the world. Four months. Um, I'm sitting recording in the room that I gave birth in and yeah, she would have been maybe half an hour, 40 minutes old (laughs) at this point, four months ago and yeah, we've been through the four zeros, we've been through the three zeros and now we are in that, probably in that three to six month double zero, close bracket. I had a little look at my calendar as to what's happened since last time and I can't believe how much has happened. Um, And so much of it packed into short bursts of great intensity. There was a time, I I think I spoke about this last podcast episode where pardon me, we had to take my older daughter to the hospital for she'd split her chin open and there was blood everywhere and had to get it all patched up and so I think I was just about up to that when I did the last recording. Um, Not long after that there were uh, like flash flooding around my area, sort of 24 hours of intense rain Our street was cut off for a short period of time um, due to floodwaters at both ends of the street and I was out in the rain with a baby strapped to my chest uh, trying to figure out how to turn a water pump on to try and pump water away from the foundations on the upper side of our home. It was all kind of banking up there and I I just could not figure out how to do it. Um, I ended up calling someone else in for help. My partner wasn't available and I just, I was panicking and I had the umbrella and I just kept tipping more and more water down the baby's back and it was gold and I thought, oh no, I can't do this. And, you know, crisis averted, pump on just in time. The house did not flood, but the subfloor was looking dicey for a while there. Um, We've also had a fire a few hundred metres away from our home, so that's always exciting. Uh, My partner went and was sort of scoping all that out and checking that there was actually fireys coming and all that kind of thing um, when and I'm just trying to you know pretend it was all a normal day getting getting the big one ready for preschool and helping the baby you know come along for the ride which is what she's doing a lot at this point She's gotten much more active as well, very talkative, wants to stand or sit up a lot of the time, which needs a bit of balancing and support. 
She will probably get one roll each direction a day, but a lot of the time spends it sort of with her head fixed in the middle of a circle and walking herself around, which is pretty cute. Uh, Took her to the doctors and nurses this last week. I don't usually, I don't take my children unless there's something that I'm concerned about or for immunisation purposes. So while they were there, they sort of checked her weight and that kind of thing, which hadn't been done since she was about six or eight weeks old and everything's tracking along there reasonably well. I am still having to feed on my back for supply um, or fast letdown kind of reasons. And for supply reasons, I still do two or usually two feeds in a row on the same side before I swap to the other side. I have been concerned or trying not to project too much but sort of being worried anyway um, about the idea of the four-month sleep regression. So a lot of people find that their baby's sleep goes to poo around the four-month mark for a while and that's Often when they're trying to master a new skill, there's different things about their sleep cycles maturing and all of that kind of thing where they can seem to wake much more frequently. And there are some parenting philosophies. I know in aware parenting, they they think that sleep regressions don't actually exist if you give children enough chance for emotional and physical expression during the day, then their sleep isn't particularly disrupted in the night. I don't know what... I believe in that sense, um, but I'm just hoping that our sleep doesn't go too poorly, particularly as she's in bed with me anyhow, and so it doesn't really matter to me how frequently she's waking to feed. Like, I couldn't tell you if last night we woke twice or if we woke five times. I just will put her back on the boob and she'll go back to sleep and that'll be okay. So I'm hoping that doesn't become an every 45-minute kind of issue Um, because that can be a really common thing around the four-month and eight-month mark. But I'm just just trying not to project there. We have managed to go on a small holiday for a couple of days. I don't know. You might have heard me talk before about the holiday we tried to go on as like a baby moon for this baby um, when I was about six months pregnant or seven months pregnant. And it was horrible. It was terrible. Like we just had... The worst time and we were fighting and I cried and it was just a mess so this time we we left it until the very last minute to book our accommodation and that was to make sure that there was going to be good weather because last time we went somewhere it was torrential rain and that was part of the issue we couldn't go and do any of the things we planned to do because it was like a tropical thunderstorm every day for three days in a row. So this time we had good weather. We booked somewhere with, that was a two bedroom cabin. We booked somewhere that was a striking distance away. So it was only gonna be one long nap kind of drive for the baby. The older one doesn't sleep. So it didn't really matter timing for her. We, I came up with a list of about like 10 things that were like the ways that this holiday, the reasons this holiday was better. Oh, one of the reasons it was great was because I just didn't get the Wi-Fi password. It was like the phone shocking. Oh my goodness. Phone reception was shocking. 
and I didn't get the Wi-Fi password, so I was just disconnected for a couple of days. I had a great book with me, recommended by my lovely friend Emmeline. So this book is called After Birth by Elisa Albert. And um, yeah, lots of lots of trigger warnings for just about everything on that book. But um, if you want a really raw, short kind of novel about motherhood and mothering, highly recommend. It was excellent. And yeah, I got to read that over my couple of days. Um, we team worked really well. We're just subbing in and out with who was with the who was with each child and tried to do some things together. Um, kept food really simple. Didn't yeah. I we'd made lots of lists and packed methodically over the couple of days beforehand in little bits and pieces. So we were able to. I don't think there was anything that we'd forgotten that we needed and it all just worked and it was beautiful and it gave me some real confidence that we would be able to do that kind of thing again. There are a couple of things coming up where we might duck away for the weekend and I wanted to be able to, yeah, have a good experience rather than thinking, oh crap, how are we going to do this? I have also done one or two bedtimes by myself, which is like another good confidence building thing I've had maybe only like once or twice that I've had them both by myself for five or six hours so yes I am four months postpartum and my partner has not gone back to work yet and I feel like (sighs) it's weird I feel like almost guilty in a way saying that because I know how hard it is for people who a lot of partners, you know, my friend's partner's going back to work literally one week after she had her baby and they have a toddler as well. And I know how fortunate I am and I also know it's exactly how it should be and that I have to talk about it so that other people do exactly as I ask and take every scrap of leave and parental pay and government support and everything that they can at this time. So... Uh, He works, his workplace has a 14-week paid parental leave and then it didn't include the Christmas shutdown period. So hence, we very much fluked the timing of our baby and we've got to use all of that time. So we are now preparing for him to return to work and it's actually most likely going to be to a different role that has sort of longer hours and more travel And I don't quite know how I'm going to do it yet. So we have talked about getting my daughter in for a third day of preschool. But she's had some really trying behaviours that are coming out of needing to be really connected with me. So I feel like putting her in for a third day is not relevant at this time. She probably will go three days next year, which would be the year before school. But I just am not comfortable doing it yet. So I've spoken with... Uh, I have local parents, but this could be a conversation that you have with anyone where I've just said to them, I can't, like, you said that you want to help, but I can't retrofit the help into your calendar. Can we, starting in the middle of April, or I don't know what I said, April, when you, yeah, from that point, can you please book yourself out for Fridays? I don't mind, like, I will be with you, with the kids I'm not expecting you to do full-time care of my older child but I just need to know that you're definitely going to be around um 
so yeah I'll have a third day of set in support and then we usually try and do social things the other two weekdays so I'll attempt to do that and we'll probably watch a fair few more movies than usual and do all that kind of stuff and and we'll hopefully be right and I know it'll be hard and I'll give myself some compassion and grace for that so part of wanting that extra support or the reason that I eventually did ask in a formal way for that is because my daughter my big one has been hard some of the time she often goes through phases where she just really needs me for a few days and when we're connected in again she will um, you know give her radius a little bit further Um, I just read this morning something like baby elephants don't go more than 15 feet away from their mother for the first eight years of their life and I feel like that's her she's she's if she has a choice she's around me all the time and preschool's great now because she has the attachment figures there some really good educators that are consistent there but that really wasn't the case at the start and it did take a while and I think she's going to struggle when her dad goes back to work as well I think that's going to be really hard for her because they're beautifully bonded now and always have been, but particularly, like, this is obviously the longest stretch that he's had being available to her, and I think she's going to find that difficult. So I just wanted to touch on that a bit because I want to talk about how she's processing things through play. I think sometimes we can expect our children to tell us how they feel or to be able to explain what's happening for them in ways that they can't. So she often sets me up to play games um, that give me information about the things that annoy her, basically, um so some little examples the other day we were at a playground and she wanted to play shop and I had to be a customer that only wanted chips I was the chippy monster and so the first day I went there you know in our game the first day I went there and she served me up this big packet of chips which were actually wood chips and I pretended to eat them and then I said oh these were delicious I'll be back tomorrow and I walked right around the equipment and came back to her shop again and said oh this is a beautiful new day. I'm glad you're open. Your chips were great yesterday. Can I have some more? And she said, no, you can't have the same food every day. For your body to be healthy, you need to have something different today. <laughs> so she'll do things like this. And I, and I then accepted whatever food that she was serving at her cafe that day that was still wood chips. And I pretended to eat them and I whinged. And I was like, These, this isn't as nice as chips. This tastes terrible, blah, blah, blah she'd say well you have to eat them because it's good for your body and that's the only thing that I have here today I don't have chips for you at home today at the cafe today I only have this (laughs) so um you know that's one example there was another one recently I think I've spoken about this where she got shut inside her room and she couldn't open the door and I had the stove exhaust fan on and I didn't hear her for a while she got really upset that she couldn't get to me and she couldn't get out and she felt trapped and for the next probably week after that she kept setting me up for games where I had to be somewhere and I had to pretend that I couldn't open the door and she would be on the other side of it going yes darling you're fine just open the door and I have to say I can't do it I can't open the door and eventually like I'd get to the point of pretend crying and being so distressed by myself and then she'd open the door And she'd come in and say, oh, you were stuck all by yourself. That must have been so scary. And give me a cuddle, (laughs) things like that. Um, Yesterday we were somewhere and 
I was busting for the loo. So I went to the toilet and I told her dad that, but I didn't tell her specifically. And so when I came back, she set us up to play this game again where she was saying where she would go and hide. And I had to say, but where's, where is she? I want to play with her and go looking in all the places. And if I got too close to her hiding spot, she'd run away and find a new one. So I was continually searching for her, but not able to find her until she felt that she'd like gotten through that to a point where she was ready to play with me again. So these things are all happening. I have like, yeah, I've been giving her a lot of one-on-one time. There was a couple of days when she was really difficult, difficult for me. I was finding it difficult, not she was being difficult, but I was finding it difficult this week because, you know, every time I stepped back, I'd be stepping onto her pretty much. I'd be couldn't walk through a doorway without her being with me. There'd be many other parents around or people around and she'd still just need to be with me and sitting on me even though I was also feeding and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I gave her... There was this day where we ended up having maybe six hours just of one-on-one time doing stuff and I poured my love and attention into her that day and it got right to bedtime and I'm putting her to bed even though I can hear the baby crying somewhere else because I was like, okay, I know this one is important to you. I'll help you play it through. And she just said in this really quiet voice, she said, Mum, the baby gets all the cuddles. My heart just broke for her. But also at the same time, I was like, I have given you everything of me today. I've given you all of the cuddles. I'm missing my baby because I'm here with you. And I wanted to be like, you know, that whole, you're so ungrateful kind of feeling came up. And I just went, yeah, it's hard to be the big sister, isn't it? I'm the big sister. We have almost the same age gap, me and my sister, between her and her sister. So I think somewhere in me, I have this feeling kind of knowledge as well. I just was like, it's hard, isn't it? Because baby can't walk. She has to get carried everywhere and must look like she's getting cuddled all the time and you can walk so you don't get cuddles as much as her now do you she was like yeah that's right and I said is it okay if I cuddle you now she said yes please and I just cuddled her and we kept I kept telling her a story or something and she fell asleep But yeah, we had one more day of big intensity after that and then she seems to have gotten through that little patch and is happy again. Meanwhile, she's showering the baby in love and she keeps telling me that she loves the baby more than me um, and that she loves me more than dad. So I'm glad we've got that hierarchy sorted in our family. Um, She's saying now things like, I think she's starting to be a real sister because they're very vocal, interacting Um, she can sort of give her a toy that the baby can kind of grab or put in her mouth. She loves doing this thing where she pretends to give the baby shoulder rides, so I'm still holding the weight of the baby, obviously, but we sit her as if the baby's sitting on her shoulders and then we walk around, and so she's giving the baby a piggyback, which is very cute. One interesting thing, though, that's been coming up the last week is that she's getting her head around the concept of death as much as you can in an age-appropriate way as a almost four-year-old. So we have a really old dog. This dog's 17 and we have a picture book that's about a very old fox dying and all the other animals in the forest get together to remember fox and a 
tree grows out of all the memories and this memory tree looks after them, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's by Britta Teckentrup and it's called The Memory Tree and it's lovely. Anyway, so we've been preparing for in case this dog dies or when this dog dies by reading this book for quite some time. And yeah, but she started coming out with things like she was playing with her dad and she said, oh, I love you, dad, but someday you will die. <laughs> we were like, yeah, someday he will. And then she said to me the other day, I love you, mum, and I'll still love you even when you're dead. And I said, thanks, babe. I hope that won't be for a long, long time. And so I've been fine coping with all of these things. I can have those conversations. That's all right. I think there should be no topic that's off the table or else as soon as there's a taboo topic, they think they can't bring things to you. So I want every topic to be open conversation. But then she said... <laughs> Um, I'm your special girl and I'll always be your special girl even if I die or even when I die I was like oh okay this one's a bit full on <laughs> I found that one really hard to be with and I was like yes you will always be our special girl all the time and yeah, and then we have the conversation about, you know, kids, parents don't have favourites. There's a really good episode of Bluey that talks about this. I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one where they go to the supermarket and um, then Bluey is being the mum and she tells Bandit is being the toddler, the dad is becomes the toddler and then Bingo is the baby. And eventually she says that the naughty, she doesn't love the naughty toddler and the baby's her favourite. Eventually it all gets resolved, but yes, that episode is a good framework for us to talk about how parents don't have favourites. Anyway, this death theme's been coming up. And trigger warning on um, baby loss and, and stillbirth here, which you, now you know where this story is going. But we have been expecting actually another baby on our tiny little farmlet here um our mama alpaca they have 11 month pregnancies long haul here and um we've been waiting for her to go into labor we had these two stinking hot like 40 degree days this week in a row and on the first day she didn't seem very well and we almost called the vet and then we were like oh no actually she's not unwell i think this is the first signs of labor anyway we just gave her lots of water to drink and she seemed good and then Tuesday the next day came and went, Wednesday came and went and then Thursday evening I went outside to check on her and she was sitting down with her tail extended and I could see that um, yeah she was contracting and the baby was coming and that was all very exciting and it was only me and the baby home at that point and I was sitting out in the paddock, we were sitting out in the paddock with her and um, then dad and big one got home and I called out to them I said there's a baby coming and we're pretty close with our neighbors and lots of them sort of came to the nearby fences to watch too and yeah it was just a different presentation to her previous births that we've seen and 
I was filming it, I thought I could, you know, show you the wonderful things of undisturbed mammalian physiologic birth, but it just seemed different. So usually she gives birth standing up and this time she was sitting down. So they kind of like, if you imagine the pose that a camel sits down, that's how an alpaca sits down too. So she was in that position and could see that the baby was starting to come out and usually they come out with their head like their nose first and two their front two feet coming out at the same time and this mass that was coming out with each contraction just kept like it was more and more kind of football shaped and she was fine it was a bit slower and she was seemed to be finding it more difficult than the previous births that I've observed and during this I'm googling because I was like oh maybe it's a breech baby maybe this is why maybe this is why the presentation looks different I wonder like I wonder if there's anything that I need to know about that you know in human terms there's like a good catch cry catch cry for vaginal breech births that's hands off the breech but I just wanted to know like was there anything that I needed to look out for if that was the way that this alpaca's birth was going and then a little bit more came out and these little kind of flicks of body tissue happened and then once their, once their head and front legs are out, then the rest of them comes, like, all the next push. And the baby came out and was just completely still. And they don't, like, lick their babies or anything, but she was nuzzling up to it. And... She makes this humming sound to all her babies for the first couple of weeks, like a mmm, 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 like continuously as if like a I'm your mum and this is my sound, I'm your mum and this is my sound kind of mantra. And she's humming to this baby and she's nibbling up and down its back and trying to get it to move and wake up and obviously it just wouldn't. And... um. Yeah, just being with her while she's grieved this baby has been really moving. She just sort of sat vigil by it for 24 hours. I went out there the next morning and just to check that the placenta had all passed properly and that she had enough water and things like that. And she was sitting with her body maybe an inch away from the baby's legs and head and just facing directly towards this most brilliant sunrise. And obviously this birth has been a bit harder for her than the previous ones that I've seen as well because she was really stumbly on her legs for the first while. She's okay now, but she wasn't great at the start. I don't know what it's like for alpacas. I don't know if their milk comes in, for want of a better term anyway, like it does if a human baby dies. Um, I'm, I'm 99.99% sure that this wasn't like a birth complication. I'm confident that this baby had died in utero. Um, and I think it was likely to do with those couple of really hot days because she was fine before that. And yeah, so I've just been really teary this week, basically teary with that holding my baby's 
little tighter. Um, we're going to have a little funeral this afternoon, so the idea is to leave the baby and placenta there until after she's gets the idea that it's not waking up and she's moved away from it now, so she, she gets the idea that the baby's not coming with her. But I also had times this... I cried nearly every day this week, but some of those times were from, like, sheer elation and joy. Um, I took the baby to a gig. We went and saw Claire Bowditch, and it was just the most gl- glorious concert. Um, we went to Cinema Under the Stars and took the girls there with a friend of mine and um, my dad and... I just, you know, it was this still perfect night outside with all the stars and I just had the baby sleeping on me and all this love all around me and I was just crying because I was like, I can't believe this is my life. And then, yeah, my my husband's been offered this new role this week, like I said, and then there's been other, like, not super close but other human deaths and other wonderful pregnancies that I've learnt of and it's just like you're cracked right open at this point of postpartum. Like, it's a lot. And I have been recording some interviews for the podcast and finding that, like, I can, I can do the interviews and I can schedule them and it's, it's wonderful but I'm having trouble like making those synthesizing and linking kind of remarks between them because I am still like full baby brain (laughs) and I've decided that the postnatal planning workshop that I was going to run in April I'm going to delay it until May because I just I'm still too early in my own postpartum to be really um, deeply supporting others in a group setting I'm happy to do some one-on-one work my books are open from the I think about the 20th of March for one-on-one sessions, but in a group sense to stand up in front of people and do a presentation, I don't think I'm cognitively at that point yet to do the like to do that and the preparation and the advertising, all of those things. Um, and I just, uh, from a mental point of view, I want to be able to that my baby will be six months old by the delayed date, and you know I'll be able to leave like a little bit of solids as well as some milk and not feel like I'm the only life raft, life support machine there for her. So, yeah, it's, um, it's been massive. And also, if you ask me what's been happening, I would struggle to tell you without the aid of, like, a set-aside space like this to actually let you know. Righto, so coming back to this a full 48 hours later after recording the first half because, uh, you know, that is mum life and it's taken that long to get a bit of time that is quiet and no one else around to record this with a baby sleeping on me. All right, we have done the burial, cried tried to say something meaningful but my baby was screaming the whole time and so we had to cut it short and it kind of made me think just how much we sort of bottle up or save our own feelings for later as mothers because our kids need us in the moment but like when does that time come to actually let it out Um, I think that's why people end up can end up crying so easily at circle I know 
I can if I've had a hard month or a couple of weeks and I'll end up crying very easily in women's circle or mother's circle. Um, side note, I do have some circles coming up the last Sunday in March, April and May. That's the next month. I had to think what the next month was. I'm hoping to do one a month at Warners Bay for the remainder of the year. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, it was, it was big. We had to wait till mummy had voluntarily moved away from the baby and then, then did that and laid some flowers on top and all of those things. Um, big couple of days with my biggie as well. Um, the delay means that I have a couple more games to share with you that she's been playing with me. So one of them was that we had I had to call her I love you and I had to call the baby poo poo. So uh, I would say things like uh, I love you. Do you want to sw- do you want to go on the swing? She'd say, yes, I do. Poo-poo's too small. And I'd be like, yeah, swings aren't for poo-poo. I love you. Can I pick you up onto the swing now? So just like making me say it over and over again. Um, difficulty going to bed last night, really needing to get some more big energy out of her body before she could settle down. What else? There have been quite a few on the games and now I'm struggling to think what they are. Oh, a few like wanting to get my attention different ways like uh, cutting paper but then standing up and jumping and dancing while holding the scissors and knowing that that's not a safe thing to do and looking me dead in the eye and doing it anyway. So then removing the scissors for a safety reason and then she runs away slamming doors and telling me she hates me and all those things. So then I sort of go and sit near the doorway and say, I know you're mad with me, but I'm just going to sit here. I love you very much. I'm not going to leave you with these feelings by yourself. And so then eventually uh, she, she often tries to push me away at those times or put extra doors between us and I just keep coming back and but today I turned it into a game so she was trying to push me away and I kind of uh rolled off to the side of that pushing and ran the other direction down the hallway doing a silly run and making a silly noise she started laughing and that kind of diffused the situation and then we did more sort of silly silly running and wrestling and things like that and it didn't take very long and she said ah I feel happy in my body now I was like great good we got there Um, But it often needs like rough play or a full like tantrum kind of meltdown to reach that point of balance again. Yeah. So the thing that I was coming back to tell you about, though, was interesting because it's it's actually a story about forgetting. And I forgot to tell you in the first bit of this recording. So uh, in thinking about what had happened in the last month, I actually injured myself quite significantly so at the front of your chest your ribs are connected to your sternum with some really thick cartilage I managed to dislodge a rib from that cartilage somehow um and it really 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 hurts and it got worse for a few days I managed to get in and see an osteopath not the woman that I usually see at the practice but another one there and she was brilliant 
Um, and, but yeah, it was like, I couldn't be touched, which made feeding very difficult as well. I, like it was the point where I couldn't, couldn't actually put like t-shirts or singlets or anything on myself. Um, it made care tasks for baby and children very difficult. Older kid obviously didn't heaps understand why I suddenly was incapacitated either. Uh, spent a fair bit of time just with ice packs on me and sort of wincing at every move. Every like laugh or cough or sneeze was just a hiccup was the worst thing. Oh my God, the pain. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, and then it gradually got better over a few days until like probably a week or 10 days afterwards, it was back to 95% right. But whoa, it really hurt. Um, yeah, I think if I think if my partner had been back at work, I would have had to get him home on carers leave because I just couldn't I couldn't do things. Um, even even having a whole lot of all the Panadol and ibuprofen and stuff that I don't usually go to straight away. So yeah, that really hurt. But the part of this story is that. I had a session with my counsellor and she asked me what had happened in the previous month or two weeks or whatever it was since I saw her and I completely forgot that that had happened. I was talking about parenting, some like some challenges with parenting that I'd been having. I was talking about um, some other emotional topics I wanted to talk with her about but I'd completely forgotten that my physical health was even part of it, even something to mention. I'd completely wiped that that had happened and it had been the bulk of the time since the previous appointment. So again, how much we put others around us first and completely forget that our physic- even our most obvious physical needs actually exist. And as I said, I went to see the osteo whose treatment was fantastic, but I had had, our whole family was at a friend's place, maybe five minutes away from the clinic and I had intended to leave my partner and my big kid there and take the baby with me to the consult. Anyway, it turned out that the timing worked so that I'd fed the baby and then I decided that I was going to go to the appointment myself and they were fine to stay there and I'd be back in time for the next feed. Anyway, I get there and the practitioner was running half an hour late and I didn't know that when I first sat down. So the time's just kind of clicking, ticking away and ticking away. And I was so incredibly anxious to leave the baby without a bottle, even though she'd just been fed. And it's just, it's a, it's a layover, I've realised, from my first baby being so difficult and needing such frequent feeds and assistance with sleep and just everything from me there's no way that I would have been able to leave her unscheduled without a bottle and I freaked out and I said to the woman I was like I'm going to try and stay here for this whole treatment but if I have to get up and leave it's because I'm panicking and I don't know if my baby needs me obviously I had my phone I was five minutes away if he needed to call me and say you need to come back baby's losing the plot I could have done that but the yeah the panic really 
it really threw me actually. Um, and then of course I finished, I rang, the baby was fine. She was sleeping. He said, can you grab us some food before we get back, before you come back? And I was able to go and do some shopping before I returned to the house and it was fine. It's just so opposite compared to how everything was with the first baby that I couldn't wrap. Like it was really hard to wrap my head around it. And same goes, like I mentioned earlier in the episode that I went to a a gig this week with the baby, like there's no way that my first would have been able to do that. And there's this concept of like that the baby is anxious because you're anxious and you just need to calm down and and um, the writer and poet Jess Ehrlich wrote about this on her Instagram in the last couple of weeks about how that line was delivered to her so many times with her first baby and and it got me thinking about how I I believe that I was wired because she was wired, not the other way around. Like, yeah, they pick up on our energy for sure, but yeah, it's it's not appropriate to just say to a mother that if you calm down, your baby will too, because that's not the case. Um, had some interesting interactions with some different uh, nurses and other people this week, just in conversations uh, about similar similar kinds of things where they made really generalised statements, and I went like, actually no, actually no, that's not not quite how it's been or or how it goes for lots of the people I speak with either okay that's not making sense anymore I think that's the most of what I came back to say again I can't believe this episode's gone on for so long of just me rambling um oh (laughs) that's not all okay the other point with this osteo appointment is the reason that I ended up with this injury is because I am very muscularly weak at the moment So I was very fit through my first pregnancy, did a lot of physical activity and was coming off quite a good strength base before it as well. I did not reach that point again between pregnancies and then was sick so much of this most recent pregnancy. Uh, And then obviously the birth and I really value that period of deep rest after the baby is born. Uh, So I, you know, a few extra weeks of detraining, it's called, wasn't going to do me a great deal of damage. Um, if anything, it was going to help me replenish my energies to be able to then rebuild my strength better is my thought process on that. But yeah, so if you think about how when you're pregnant, your belly sticks out the front and your butt sticks out the back, you sort of, your pelvis tips forward a bit. But when the baby is born and you don't have the abdominal strength anymore and you don't have the counterweight on the front of your body so much, often your pelvis and your tailbone kind of tucks underneath, almost like how a dog's pelvis kind of curl, their tail curls underneath their body and their bottom um, tucks in when, when they're getting in trouble. Um, yeah, so my tailbone sort of tucked in, my glutes are really weak been hanging hanging forward off my hips which is like a really nice easy position to be able to balance the baby up on your chest while you're walking around as well 
And so, yeah, that abdominal and glute strength just isn't there. So my skeleton's been doing a lot of um, taking the load that my muscles otherwise would have been distributing better. So, yeah, I ended up having these two vertebrae that weren't moving very well. And then I did a couple of actions, one of them just holding up a baby that wants to be like standing and stepping all the time. Um, because my children hate to be lying flat when they could be upright. And um, the other one was just like flicking a towel around behind my back. And that's what did my rib. So in this consultation, the osteo says to me, and just as a side note, your glutes are horrendously weak right now and I almost cried so I already was in this state of like anxiety panic and I knew it I completely knew it I in my pre-baby life I was an exercise physiologist and I I knew that my strength was bad my body was in a bad way um strength wise but knowing that like my weakness was now causing injuries that were impairing my ability to get about pain-free and and look after my family just like tipped me over basically so anyway it was the last push that I needed I'd been very close to doing it anyway but I signed up for um there's like a website an app called the empowered motherhood program and I actually interviewed Kimmy Smith who's one of the creators of this way way back in season one um so it's a women's health physio designed program that uh, so it doesn't replace the actual women's health physio that you see that will be like assessing and helping you with pelvic floor specific stuff. But it's like, what else can you do that's safe for you at that period of time? So they have specific programs for um, after cesarean birth, exercise that's safe for prolapse, and then just more like general rehabilitation programs for postnatal. And they also have full like week by week pregnancy exercise programs as well. A whole combination of like strength, Pilates, yoga, pelvic floor, um, barre, bar, you know, the ballet barre, B-A-R-R-E kind of programs. Um, and then, yeah, more um, different pelvic floor workouts, ones that include like a for fussy baby days where you can't actually put your baby down at all. Other ones that um, are workouts with the pram, all sorts of things. So, yes, it was finally the kick up the butt that I needed to actually sign up for that program. It was much cheaper than I expected. I think it was $180 to access it for six months. You can do it um, month by month, but I decided that I needed to sign up for a whole lot of time so that I felt, like, accountable to it and that I'd paid it in advance. Otherwise, Otherwise, it might get to the end of the month and I go, oh, I haven't used it, so I'm just going to cancel my subscription. Um, so, yeah, I've just been much more likely to do exercise in the last two weeks or so since signing up for that, particularly strength exercise. I don't mind going for walks, but, like, I hate thinking of my own exercises, probably like how how a chef hates cooking for their own family or a builder never finishes their own renovations. I spend a lot of time doing it planning everybody else's exercises and I just wanted someone else to plan mine for me so that's what I've done it's working this isn't sponsored or anything um I just have finally tried it out and I think it's great so you should probably check it out too so the next few episodes that are coming out are interview ones um first one coming up is around 
um, alcohol and motherhood with the two ladies behind the She's Sober Sydney podcast. And I have been interviewed on their podcast. You can hear about my um, decision to be alcohol-free. Oh, hello, baby. Um, on their podcast, as well as various other things about the pressures of, of uh, motherhood and, and how those link in with alcohol. And then their episode on my podcast has a lot to do about um, how motherhood is is different for them with and without alcohol, how they are talking with children about alcohol and, um, yeah, look at mummy wine culture and all that sort of stuff. I've also um, recorded some episodes with uh, Annie Crow on neurodivergent mothering and pregnancy and birth and also with Veggie Daddy, a.k.a. Raph, uh, talking with them about queering motherhood is our topic. And then I have a few more wonderful guests who are lined up to record with me over the next few weeks as well. Um, oh, and I've recorded one so far with Ashley Winning about fat phobia in the maternity system. So we're going back to interviews for a while. I, If something major changes, I might even just come in and do like little snippets about play if that's something that is that has been interesting for you from this episode please let me know if you want to hear about how I am supporting my kids to process things through play not that I'm an expert on it um I'm learning from other people but yeah just how these things are kind of evolving because I think it does help with that sort of transition particularly transition from one to two for us at this point and yeah the other all the other things that that come up with having a baby and a child and trying to return to work one of those things is I have a first aid course later in the week so even just going to that first aid course uh, means that it's the longest time that I'm going to have been away from baby I've had to organize to pump milk bit by bit in advance because I'm prone to oversupply I can't just like pump all this extra because it's going to engorge me and risk of mastitis and all that stuff again um getting to do the quiz before you go there has been an effort all the pre-reading and stuff so yeah it's um it's all interesting it's all it's all interesting so thank you for listening to my many many longer than intended episodes over the last five months really maybe even six and I'll get back to you with some interview content soon and come join me in circle if you want to I'd love to see you there all right catch you soon this is probably the point where I should tell you to you know read my book listen to my book it's back in season two go back and listen if you love it if you want to share it around buy it buy it from general places online local stockists my website too if you want to leave a review or a rating for the podcast it'll take you five seconds and I'd really appreciate that too it helps other people find us here um, or yeah flick this episode to anyone who might be in a similar stage that needs a bit of medicine in their ears because you're certainly not alone if you're finding this quite tricky all right much love